0: Hello and welcome back to the Prospect podcast where we speak to the brightest minds and talk about the ideas that matter in politics, arts and society. I'm Alan I'm the editor of Prospect magazine, and today I'm delighted to be joined by two amazing guests. The actor and comedian Rosie Holt, whose impersonation of Tory MPs have set the internet on fire during lockdowns. And the comedian and producer Josh Berry, who in December 2019 created the fictional character of Rafe Hubris, an Eton-educated, implacably self-confident special advisor to Boris Johnson. And today, in the wake of Rosie writing a, a really lovely uh, diary column for the current issue of Pressmark magazine, we're going to be talking about the state of British satire and the challenge of being a satirist uh, with a government that is as incompetent as the current one, and how, if Labour wins the next election, you can take the piss out of Keir Starmer's. But... Um, <laughs> First, just to test um, your ability to get into character. Um, Rosie, um, you're an M- you're a MP um, and you've been following the events with um, Nadine Zahawi. And uh, I mean, this just shows, doesn't it, that your party is mired in sleeves and can't get out of it?
1: Well, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think Rishi Sunak took action as as soon as he was told to take action um and that that shows you know we we we're, we're willing to 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 sort 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 these things out as soon as possible
0: but the truth is that it was all in the papers a year ago and he didn't take any action
1: uh, Yes, but that was uh before um you know when when it's in the papers it's 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 in the papers it's not it's not something that's happened um it, it's like any crime you know you may see a crime being committed but until that person is arrested then you're not going to to judge that person
0: and uh Josh you you're you're the pr advisor to nadim zahawi yeah, yeah, um, he, he's big time. he's his career is in tatters how, how what, what are you going to say to him to um as, as he faces the the wreck of the rest of his life.
2: I mean, to be honest, I would say just sack it off and go to the Cayman Islands. You know, any sort of tax haven is probably the best, you know. But honestly, just just lay low for sort of six months or whatever. Um, you know, there are members of the royal family who have done that and then just sort of reaggregate aggregate into, into life. People will forget. You know, people seem to have sort of semi-forgiven Matt Hancock. So if they've done that, then um, he'll be fine. You know, it's just a bit of tax, mate. It's fine. He <laughs> hasn't avoided a bit of tax over the years. I certainly have so
0: the, the thing that intrigues me with listening to both of you speaking and presumably this is the problem that you face is that i mean rosie i mean your your answer to the question was sort of 10 degrees more implausible than than <laughs> but only 10 degrees
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, when
0: when you play in character do you have that sort of you think well this is what this is what they say, and I'm just gonna ramp it up a tiny bit. Is that is that your technique?
1: Yes. I mean, I think because to me, what's funny about the current crop of um ministers who who go on um, you know, this morning or whatever to defend their position is that they don't really know, they don't look like they really know what they're about to say. There's a sort there's a kind of improvisation to what they're saying. Which I think's really funny, so therefore i I never want to go too outlandish because I think there's a lot of comedy in, in that that subtlety of it really
0: do you, do you think do you think there's a school that tra- i mean do you think they're all so media trained that in a sense they can go to any studio and answer any question about anything by sort of blathering on in the way that you just did? Have you ever talked to one of them about?
1: I haven't talked <laughs> to one of them. <laughs> I, I mean, they must get some sort of training, didn't they? I mean, talking of Matt Hancock when he was on I'm a Celebrity, he was talking about how to pivot from a question. Did you see
2: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, which was really interesting, and he was quite proud of it. He was basically quite proud of how you can deflect uh, from a journalist's question. So. There is definitely a kind of playbook that they are following, but they're doing it quite badly, I think.
0: I I, will, I, I did media training once, yeah. and when I was editing the Guardian, and the the bloke who media trained me, exactly taught me to do that. Yeah. He said, "What you you go into the studio with your answer, and whatever the question is." you get rid of that within seven seconds well that's a very interesting question (laughs) Um, but what I really wanted to talk about but you do it in a way that is less subtle than that but but you have you sound as though you spend a lot of your life listening to (laughs) to the today program or or phone-ins or in order to attune your ear to what's happening
1: it's certainly a lot of um yeah watching (laughs) watching the news rounds in the morning
0: and, and your character, Rafe Hubris, mm. I mean, was at his peak, if you don't mind me saying so, yeah, yeah. Um, at the time of Boris Johnson. Yeah. And, and, and is he struggling a bit since?
2: Yeah, I think Rafe is kind of um, reinventing himself somewhere, kind of having a, having a bit of a sort of quarter-life crisis, I think. Um, yeah, it's more difficult with Sunak because, you know, in the Truss era, it kind of made sense to have Rafe around because she seems so sort of spectacularly <laughs> bad. Whereas Sunak, for all his faults, seems a little bit more competent, right? And a little bit less sort of preposterous. But yeah, I mean, that was the joy with Boris Johnson. It was so insane, all these stories coming out every single week, like something that, you know, it would be implausible if it hadn't happened, you know, if you wrote it. So that that character, that just sort of like flying by the seat of his pants, doesn't care about any of it and just views it all as, you know, kind of like a a great big thought experiment um, coming up with strategy. and all that, that seemed,
0: yeah, incredible. You you seem to be, whereas Rosie is sort of 10% dialed, you're about 25%, is that? that...
2: Yeah, well, it's weird, though, because I think sometimes if what I would find kind of in the peak of Boris Johnson, the Boris Johnson era, is that if you can preempt a PR line that they were going to follow, then you got real points for that. So maybe sometimes it was (laughs) over-exaggerated, but actually other times it was kind of like 0% dialed up if that
0: makes sense. So you're, uh, d- 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 do you mind telling me how, you, how old you both are? Sure, I'm, I'm 26.
1: I'm in my thirties. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're of a sort of, you're of a sort of similar, you're the same generation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about- He f- looks
2: young, I look older <laughs> than I am, yes. <laughs>
0: um, can you talk about the sort of the, the medium I mean, just before we came on we were talking about you know 30 years ago the, the the route to stardom was through you know bbc4 or radio 4 but but now you've you've got ready-made platforms you can with no technology at all you can go on and be funny 10 times a day to an audience of hundreds of thousands if not if not larger mm-hmm. uh, so I, I suppose the question is had how did you develop those characters in these media? And
1: um, well, with with me, it started over lockdown. Um, I was, you know, I was a bit of a frustrated performer, like well, like a lot of frustrated performers <laughs> over lockdown. I I had was about to go on tour in America for six months on a, a show, and then that fell through because of COVID. So I was sitting at home like everyone sort of avidly reading the news and um and then when the Black Lives Matter protest started I I posted a video and it went viral and so it went from there video. It was a a woman um a talking head basically getting angry about the statues being pulled down and saying they were erasing history just like Stalin did who incidentally I have a statue of in my garden <laughs> and and then I had lots of angry people saying you shouldn't have Stalin in your garden <laughs> 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 so for me it kind of went from there mm. um and it is it is insane because uh, you know I'm about to go on tour and certainly Ticket sales and things like that is solely because I've built up a platform online, mm-hmm. um, which is which is crazy. And, and
0: sometimes the production values are quite high. You're you're in a studio and and, and with Robert Besson or whoever yeah. to, to say that, but sometimes you you can do it literally from your living room.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you do. And even the ones where I'm in a studio are also in your living room. <laughs> so yeah, they're not actually, yeah, but still made um, on and, my phone. And,
0: and Josh, what was the story of how you developed your character? And...
1: So,
2: so I remember um, it was around the time of the, the 2019 election, and um, Michael Go because Stormzy had critiqued Boris Johnson, and then Michael Go responded to Stormzy without tweeting his own lyrics back at him. And I just remember thinking, Lord, that is, that seems quite tone deaf. Who on earth would advise that kind of thing? And then kind of, oh yes, the sort of hubristic um, big public school, Oxbridge type person that I've been around a fair amount of my life. And so it seemed like a kind of good explanation for a lot of the sort of behavior of the, of the Tory party. And then, and then through, again, like with Rosie, like through lockdown that just kept coming back and was like, oh yeah, Rafe does, he seems again, like a good explanation for this kind of, behavior um but i think also you know there does seem to be a real like demand for topical comedy now and the character was sort of born from just that quite kind of reactionary um take on on stuff that 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 people found funny sort of in the moment kind of before they'd even had their had a chance to sort of make their own minds up about a lot of the news
0: and is there something liberating again before we, we we started recording um We're talking about whether, if you're doing comedy for the BBC, you're you're sort of you feel a bit high bound by notions of balance. Mm. I mean, you you don't you can take it wherever you want, can't you? Is there there something about the medium in which you can do something? The the moment you have the idea, you can do it, and you can post it straight away, and you don't.
1: Yeah. 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 I love that freedom of it Um, Mm. because, especially um, in the last two years. Politics has been so fast-moving, so it's great to be able to react to something very quickly, write something, film it, mm. and not have to go through any kind of process and all, should you be saying this? Should you be showing mm. more of this? Um, that c- complete creative freedom is, is I think, one of the best things but, about But me.
0: as performers in this space, you're yeah. very vulnerable to changes in politics itself. Mm. And mm. part of what you write about in your diary, Rosie, is. So it's <laughs> been like a sort of picking ship for the last, if you'll forgive the phrase, for the last yeah. year because there's just so much material. Mm. Whereas now you think with the Sunak government, it's a bit more disciplined, isn't it? Yeah, you, haven't, it you yeah. And so you I assume you've had to, I mean, it's partly what you're writing about, you're not having to sort of get in the skin of Tory MPs under the sort of Sunak regime as opposed to the Truss or the Johnson regime. Yeah, mm.
1: well, it's like Josh was saying, I think um, Boris Johnson and Liz Truss was... It was a gift, really. Where Rishi Sunak is a is a bit trickier, mm. because I do think I do think he's realised that it's not a good idea to get a lot of his um ministers out on TV explaining themselves because they are incompetent. I mean, Suella hasn't been on any TV show months, has she? Mm. Um,
0: you couldn't let her out, but but
1: let, you could
0: let her out. But the but the technique with with Johnson seemed I mean, to there's the sort of the infantry fodder who's sort of pushed out into studios to, in yeah. order to face yeah, the, the,
1: the guns. Yeah, yeah I yeah. always felt that Matt Hancock was a very
2: big sacrificial <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah but Matt Hancock is doing <laughs> it now all the time he it's, clearly it's, gets some sort of thrill <laughs> out of it you know no one's pushing him now right <laughs> And there's something,
1: right there's there. something. masochistic about. There Matt must Hancock. be. I Ma- don't understand.
2: Does he have a humiliation
1: kink? I don't know what it is. <laughs>
2: is yeah with uh, with Susanna Reid yesterday? I don't know. Yeah,
1: it was painful. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Because I really felt with with um during the bons- ju- bombs, the Boris Johnson uh, government, when with Matt Hancock, I thought, oh, it's because, you know, he he's been because Boris Johnson was always always about prizing loyalty, and because Matt Hancock had actually gone against Johnson in the election. I thought this is his penance. He's having to be wheeled <laughs> out and exp- <laughs> and defend all these terrible things. But wasn't but, yeah. he quite,
2: wasn't he a lot more sort of conservative vis-a-vis lockdown, right? He was actually probably, even though he, he's been sort of monstered PR wise, he was probably a lot more in line with what a lot of people thought. And the, the yeah. idea was that Boris Johnson was like, very anti that. So that maybe there was a sense of him being like, well, Hancock, if you're so, you know, pro this, you, you go out and defend it or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe there was a bit of
1: that.
2: Yeah. So just
0: to go back to 2022, I mean, we we all know that the famous Dom Lehrer, you know, when Henry Kissinger got the Nobel Prize, satire died. Yeah. I think he actually Lera did give up at that point. He just thought there's nothing more I can say. But yeah. there must have been periods during the last year of three prime ministers and however many chancellors and 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 just the craziness of the trust regime where you sort of thought there's nothing left to, for us to say <laughs> they're doing such a good job themselves or is that not how it works I
2: don't know I think um I always feel like Chris Morris is a really good kind of reference point for stuff like this because he, he talks about like finding the farce and I think as long as you can find the farce that is funny to people right and maybe sometimes that's just pointing it out but or maybe sometimes that that's not even necessarily dependent on a kind of conventional news cycle maybe it's sort of uh, suppose, like uh, like imagining like a reaction to something that's happened in the news or something that just sort of feels slightly outside, or, or parodying the news itself, as obviously you mm-hmm. did in the day to day. I think there's always an area to find something to ridicule, I'd say, even if politicians are doing crazy things, I actually think that's a, a gift.
1: Yes, I think it's a gift too. I, I didn't, uh, when people go, oh, oh, I feel sorry for the satirists, I was thinking, why? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> this, There's something to, also not just because there was so much to talk about, but I think people were so invested in what was going on in a way they haven't been in years. I think people, Mm. there's a real, there there has been a real appetite for um, mocking the government at the moment. Mm. So I think people are angry.
2: But, But also I think it isn't necessarily just political, right? Like some of my favorite stuff I would say is satirical, but kind of outside the political domain, like, you know, like mocking the music industry or like you know uh, Sacha Baron Cohen does so much good stuff on like fashion mm-hmm. through Bruno like so I think even if the government enters a bit more of a fallow period for satirists there's there's still plenty of stuff to kind of point out
0: I so seem to sense in your your recent work you're you're broadening out from just politics is, yeah is I,
2: I'm really I've always wanted to sort of to be honest I, I find that the most interesting doing kind of satire like outside of that because i Yeah, I'm such a big Sasha Baron Cohen fan, and and I like that whole kind of area. Um, So, yeah, and and yeah, it does feel hard. I can't think of a kind of way in with Sunak as much. I I think Starmer would be difficult as well. I was going
0: to say, Sunak and Starmer, you know, everyone says of them that, you know, this is great, we're back to the age of boring. The public is ready for two boring technocrats, and Mm -hmm. that's not great for you, is it?
1: No. (laughs) It, it will be interesting to see what happens if um, Starmer gets in in two years um, mm. but it, it is a sort of terrible thing though where you'll start of think you start thinking of your career in terms of oh, hopefully politics will be terrible <laughs> so that my career will thrive um, I do think though that it's always important whether whether it's through comedy or anything or journalism that we hold whatever government's in charge up to you know we hold them to account and um i think what's made uh, a lot of people angry about the the sort of the the current government is a feeling that they don't really care about the people and they don't have their best interests at heart but i think even if you've got A government who are trying to do right. If they are messing up and then they are not delivering, then that also deserves to be looked at and potentially mocked.
0: Mm. What what, what were the funniest moments of last year? That, 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 I mean, what, what was the time when you just felt this is bliss to be alive and to be a (laughs) satirist?
1: I think the whole Sue Gray, the whole dealing of the Sue Gray report. God, was that Foxical. last year?
2: That was last yeah. year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was mad. It was the person who was sick. Did you hear about that? They were like, they were sick at like three in the morning or so. It just sounded like an insane. Oh
1: party. yes, yeah, the crazy party. Well, I think
2: Don't someone wait,
0: the person who visited on the night of the night before Prince Philip. That's right.
2: Yeah, and then there was a swing oh. that two people broke, <laughs> broke, which I think had some <laughs> sort of like sexual implication. Wilfred,
1: they broke Wilfred's swing. Oh, Wilfred's swing, swing wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> mental. <laughs> it was just so
2: oh it was so insane yeah those were the days
1: <laughs> those, those were are the really days. the
2: days yeah god
1: defending debaucherous parties <laughs> yeah
0: so when when you um i mean you've talked about some of some of the people you admire i mean do you both sort of study british satire and and, and its roots or do I mean, do you have your your personal favourites that you think are the sort of standout satirists of all time
1: I mean I don't no I don't study but I, I think there are certain people who I think are brilliant I, I think Chris Morris is great Amando Iannucci is you know mm. his writing's incredible um, and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen I mean as far as sort of yeah actually studying no I don't know if I should be but um, and
2: Josh yeah I mean I I got sort of really obsessed with the day-to-day as a show and I just so yeah I'm really into Chris particularly Chris Morris and Sasha Baron Cohen I, I kind of started doing stand-up watching like Bo Burnham in America who I would say is kind of satirizing like the digital age and kind of young people's experience of social media which I think is really interesting um, but yeah I mean I would say those two I just I just think it's so good the way that you know some people kind of critique what's going on within the news but the the idea that chris morris is like taking it from a from a kind of perspective even above that i think is really like critically um interesting and important i think because i don't think you should rely on kind of anything as as you know guaranteed if you're doing satire rosie i think more than
0: josh what, one of the things that um... <laughs> I suppose funniest is is the the people who are fooled by you. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the times when people have. So you're on Twitter and you, yes. you post something and people get genuinely cross because they don't spot
2: it.
1: Yeah, I got a lot of people thinking I'm really, really a Tory MP. Very famous um, people. <laughs> famous, famous people. Supposedly
2: intelligent people. <laughs>
0: It would be unkind <laughs> to name them, but there have been some. <laughs> very, oh, but there has, some <laughs>
1: um But yes, yeah, so and of-
0: how often does that happen? Does that happen regularly? Every every time you post this to somebody, regularly,
1: to I keep them. expecting it to sort of stop, and it doesn't. Um, sometimes a particular um, a particular video we'll do will get a lot of anger and attention. I did. I did one. Um, I can't, it was talking about heating. I was talking about heating my stables, the importance of heating my stables, and oh. I had <laughs> and s- some two teenagers sent me. They sent me this voice note on Instagram, and they're like, "Rosie Hall, you're you're disgusting. We hope you and your stables burn <laughs> down." <laughs> but yeah, lots of people going, "Who voted for her? She's appalling." Or uh, my favourite was someone going well, I've always voted Tory, but on the basis of your interview, (laughs) I'm never going to vote for you people again.
2: Amazing.
0: And does that give you special satisfaction? Do you sort of punch the air and think, yes, that's a big win if somebody...
1: Yes, I quite like that. I mean, someone then did tweet me telling me I was responsible for fake news, but um, I, uh, yes, I I like that. I think where I'd be worried is if someone was tweeting me saying, good job, (laughs) well well (laughs) done. (laughs) Well, so we'll keep supporting this government on the basis. I was going of your to ask people. about
0: the fake news point because I, I, mean that that's sort of um, that's a bit of a sort of a comedy killer. But but I mean in an age where we don't know who to believe or what to believe nowadays, the, yeah. There's sort of there's a fine line, isn't there, between comedy and straight fake news? I mean, yeah. I mean mm. does do you, do you ever wake up wake up in the middle of the night worrying about that, or do you think?
1: Well, I, I guess the way I look at it is um, I, I definitely didn't set out with the character to hoodwink people. And also on my profile, it's clear that I'm a comedian and I'm tweeting it from my account. Um, and so it, so I, I, I kind of think if people are going to run with it and think I'm a Tory MP, then that's their fault. Mm. <laughs> it just... Um, I mean I, I think i would I would feel worried if I had lots of people thinking um that I was doing a great job, but also I am um, in what I'm doing, I am trying to expose what that what they're saying is inherently quite ridiculous it comes from a place of truth
0: <laughs> and Josh, presumably less of a problem with you that yeah, people don't often is... think not often but believe that you actually are real
2: yeah i mean i'm less subtle than rosie i'd say i'm, I'm a bit more of a sort of heightened caricature type but also i mean actually yeah harry enfield's another person who i think is good in that sort of domain so i've tried to kind of model it a bit more on that but um yeah i don't know well i, w- I was gonna say well i feel like people are sort of you know we've got to give people credit for being discerning but evidently from all the people that <laughs> message rosie nice including
0: play, some very intelligent people
2: yeah 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 but um no, I wouldn't say it worries me too much. I think I think it's important to kind of, and I feel like this on stage as well, like you have to sort of, I think people can sort of read between the lines and, and understand. And of course, sometimes people are going to misunderstand what you say, but I think there's a lot that can be done to kind of communicate clearly. Um, but yeah, if I didn't believe that, maybe I wouldn't say anything. So I kind of have to.
0: I'm Because I haven't seen either of you on stage, though yeah. so I will. Because um, Rosie, you've got to, a- of uh, tour on at the moment yes. i believe yeah i start yes. in yes.
1: march right yeah and it's
0: yeah. um and it comes to london when
1: the 23rd and 24th of march i think oh nice. or either the 22nd or 23rd i think it's the 23rd and 24th and how much
0: do you have to <laughs> how does that work i mean you you you've got a series of sort of 45 second clips how do you stitch that into a into a stage play Uh, i I
1: don't really it's quite it's a it's a different beast completely different yeah Yeah, i mean i have the i have my tory mp character on uh, character on stage talking to the audience and explaining why the government's doing a wonderful job um and then i have a bit of a i have another character who's a sort of gb news talk radio type Host who comes on and um, does rips off various segments to the audience, so it is very much a, a one-woman stage show in that respect. With a lot
0: of audience involvement, there
1: is a bit of audience yeah. involvement. Okay. And
0: and um, Josh, how do you take your characters onto the stage?
2: Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I sort of just throw to a lot of characters over the course of a kind of. So the show I'm um, about to tour in the spring is basically it's just kind of me doing stand-up but throwing to lots of different characters, you know, over yeah, over the course of the hour. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I guess it's probably a bit closer to the sort of stuff I, I do online, um, but with kind of bridging jokes and a, and a narrative.
0: Can I be very grubby and ask about the business model of being a comedian these days?
2: So um, um, i um, make a lot of my money from oil. <laughs> <laughs> I have a private funder and I can't
1: remember. Yeah. It. Yeah. Who yeah, it is. <laughs>
0: uh you've got an eight hundred pound line of credit <coughs> um but um, do, do, do you make money off twitter or is twitter just as a marketing thing
1: um i do make some money off twitter um it's certainly not money um i can rely on i have a sort of online tip jar right. um and sometimes uh, people are really generous with that and then Sometimes I, I don't get much at all, but yes, there is. There, I do certainly make money from that.
0: So. But but the stage the stage version of it is is the moneymaker.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then also sort of bits and bobs. You know, I was doing um, things for radio earlier this week and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And the same for you. Yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of how I view it. Like, you try and get as many followers as you can so you can play bigger venues on tour and that, and that brings in more stuff um there's there's stuff with sort of brand deals we don't really like to do because i feel i feel a bit cringe about that but i mean you know if that is going to fund um someone who can produce your videos to a better quality then it's you know sometimes worth it um and yeah like Rosies, i mean just you know other opportunities like voiceover bits and pieces if you're a bit more you know if you're more of a profile those people might know you and then book you and all that kind of stuff but,
0: does it matter what your personal politics are? I mean, it, I don't you know what
2: my personal politics are. <laughs> I don't know what your personal <laughs> politics are, but I, I sit in a, I sit in a sort of. Um, no, I mean, I you sit in a. You are right wing,
1: aren't
2: you? Yeah, I'm right wing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I sit Intensely like right-wing. Probably
2: like most kind <laughs> of naval naval gazing left leaning liberals, I sit in a kind of you know a sort of puddle of indecision and 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 um, you know doubt. Um, so I, you know, I, I frequently, actually, I remember one of the, one of the biggest things I learned at university is one of my tutors like, you, you've got to like, be willing to trade any opinion you have in if better evidence comes along. So I try and kind of live by that principle, but I feel like it's kind of clear where it's coming from. I feel like you can discern what I think. Yeah. Like, I think my stuff comes from a center left perspective. Um, even the stuff where I'm mocking the hard left, I think you can tell it's not coming from a right wing perspective.
0: Um, and the critique that people do raise a bit about the BBC—that there are no, no right-wing comedians—I mean, that's it's true to a point, isn't it?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't have. I, I'm not terribly impressed with that critique because a lot of uh, there are there are some good right-wing comedians. I feel bad yeah. saying this, but there's not many, and the majority <laughs> <laughs> the, the the majority of um, the I uh, mean, both me and Josh before we started doing these characters, we 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 did the uh, the, the comedy circuit in London, and, and the fringe and the fringe yeah. and and um and the majority of comedians are left leaning, um so there there are there are just left right wing comedians left. There are less right wing comedians anyway. Mm uh and i think the problem is at the moment what i think is interesting is you have quite few right-wing comedians who seem to have traded in being funny for going and presenting on gb news which is not being funny yeah
2: but that's the thing i feel like yeah you can kind of let your politics get in the way of being funny right like yeah and I, that is a bit of a, a problem i i feel like you know what you can say can come from a left-leaning perspective but occasionally you might do a joke that is maybe not quite totally within that kind of wheelhouse I don't know I, I just I feel like the priority should be funniness yeah. rather than kind of
1: and and I think there are there are comedians on both sides of the political divide who sometimes forget that and end up sounding more like activists rather mm, than comedians mm.
0: um but just and I know we've touched on this before but but, but just to sort of develop it a bit more I mean in, Two years hence, let's say there is a Starmer government, mm. and whether you think Starmer's boring or not, you, 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 we might think, well, this is an improvement on what went before. Yeah. To what extent do you feel a bit inhibited by that? That you think, well, I'm, I, you know, give give the guy a chance. I don't want to start mocking him immediately. I mean, do you Do you think there's going to be a little view that's going to find that harder to deal with, either of you?
1: You, probably
2: yeah i think i think your heart's got to be in it you know i think you yeah, have yeah. to sort of you've
1: got to slightly believe in what you're doing
2: yeah you've got to be like well i actually I've, I've thought about this i've observed it and i really feel strongly about this because because if because if your heart isn't in it people will probably be able to tell as well yeah um you
1: don't you don't want to take the piss out of someone for for just for the sake of it hmm.
2: um but that was a gift of boris johnson you know it was so egregious But hmm. also like i think you know if sama gets in it'll probably divide people a bit more like because a lot of people might be quite pro and so whereas with boris johnson it felt like there was a, much more of a consensus that was like oh he's you know woeful and so that made it easier because i do think like satire and populism have are quite close they're much closer than we would think um you know you can say stuff that's satirical that really goes against the grain of public opinion and I don't think it will get you as that far. I don't know what you think about yeah. that, Rosie. Yeah. Unless you do it brilliantly and kind of show people why they're wrong, but yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, we're we're close to finishing, but we we started with um, a little scenario which I asked you to react to. So let's let's finish with the well. It's an entirely predictable. So we've, with Zahawi is now gone. But Josh, you, you are the um, advisor to Dominic Raab. Mm. Um, mm. He's seriously, he's facing a lot of serious charges. How, how would you advise him to to play this?
2: Um, to be honest, you know, what I would say about bullying, um, one man's bullying is another man's classic chat, basically. So I, you know, I don't think we should get into kind of what, what it is that did or didn't go on, but just, I think, just sort of tell people to just stop being you know wet flannels.
0: And, and rosie you're you're must make you feel uncomfortable to be in the party with the, the um, deputy prime minister himself accused by multiple women i mean how can you possibly defend that
1: well i i think you know it, it, bullying is is quite a, a strong word it's often being robust and passionate and that's um <laughs> something that us you know a lot of people in the Tory party it's it's a, it's, a tradi- it's a tradition that we have continued for years and years, and it's important that that doesn't get misconstrued. And you know, Dominic Raab is, is welcoming all investigations into his passionate behaviour.
0: I think I heard you say that uh, bullying is a Tory party tradition. You, you, you can't amend that.
1: Oh, no, no, I didn't mean. I, I don't want you to misconstrue my my words there, Alan. I, I think it's important people know that I I, I in no way uh, think bullying is a good thing. But I also think that um, bullying can be a good thing. It just depends depends how how you look at it. Um, and 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 sometimes it can be a great incentive. And. Um, and and Dominic Rob is, is 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 a is a good is a good man.
2: And and how do we know he wasn't on holiday when a lot of these people were well, it, he exactly. loves holidays Exactly,
1: he does love holidays, yeah. and I yeah. think that's that's something that we have to really take into account. Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: On that bombshell, um, thank you so much, Rosie and Josh, for joining us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, um, get a copy of the uh, current issue of Prospect Magazine, which has got Rosie's uh, excellent diary in it, um, as well as. Um, uh, some even more serious material, um, including a very good essay by Jonathan Powell on, on the negotiations that will eventually happen in Ukraine and, and what they would look like. Um, if you're here, why not subscribe to something slightly different? Prospect Lives is a monthly series of audio diary entries from a family of seven writers, including Sheila Hancock, Alice Goodman, who's a, a librettist and um, Anglican priest, and the former England cricket captain, Mike Brearley. Um, they are sometimes serious, sometimes they're very funny, uh, like our guest today, but they'll give you a snapshot of lives of people who probably live quite different lives to you. So just search Prospect Lives on you where, wherever you get your podcast, or click on the link below. And we look forward to seeing you again next week.